0: Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 305. And joining us this week, uh, finally, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Twitter friends turning into real podcast guests. That's the the trajectory here. We're joined by senior reporter from WBNG 12 News in Binghamton, Josh Rosenblatt. Uh, Great conversation. We talked a bit about his time at Syracuse Journalism School uh, talked about the Claudia Tenney-Anthony Brindisi race for Congress and what it was like covering the district and getting a huge uh, surge of supporters all at one point. Uh, we'll also talk about the Super League, obviously, because we both love soccer. Also this week, Heather is back. Uh, we're going to talk about the return of the State Fair, uh, history lessons. Uh, we, we got a lot of stuff. Doomsday Report is back, all of this, folks, and so much more. Uh, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Unicast, which starts right now. No one can hear you. I um, felt.
1: A ca- I heard a cough. And, you, and I'm just like, no. Nope. Are you like that now
0: all the time? Like no, you I hear was like a, that
1: pre. Remember when you guys asked, like, if anyone has a cold, I'm not coming over.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. No, that's yep.
1: pretty true. It's yep. true. I said that. Is anyone sick? Don't nope, You
3: can't on. be a parent and, like, be out there just exposing yourself to getting sick because then the kid... Then he gets sick. He gets sick or he'll just run you down. You'll be sick. He's got too much energy and you're just a mess because that he'll too. just defeat you.
1: Yeah,
0: see? I've said mm-hmm. it a lot over the, the last year and a half. I think it's wild that... I did not get sick at all this year. Now yeah. I, I wasn't around any How kids. How was that wild?
1: I know. How, you, weren't, you, weren't you wore a home. mask
0: everywhere you went. Yeah. And you stayed home. Of course, you didn't and get sick.
1: You weren't sick. around kids. Where were you going
3: to get sick from? Because I'm just, wild.
0: I'm just used to sick, being sick every year like clockwork because of the job. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying that no. I don't. It's almost like the mask. Well, distance like I'm not saying I don't believe that the mask is the reason for it. I think it's just wild to see did science it? in action. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, I, like <laughs> my like mask work. My son
1: was sick every like two months. And he yeah. hasn't been sick since last February.
0: Mm. Do you think that the first time you get a cold, now you're going to like totally be paranoid and wild about I don't it? think
1: I will be. I feel like I think I'll be fine. But I feel if my, as soon as my kid gets sick. Like someone in yeah. preschool was out because they had a runny nose. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's COVID. My mm. son has COVID. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? I feel good, mom. I'm like, I don't know.
0: Well, I have Liar. I have a story, sadly, that won't make you feel any better coming right, up in just awesome. a little bit about that. Might uh, therapy after this, no. probably. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. If you're taking a drink, you'll feel better. Uh, all right, welcome to episode 305, folks, of the Udicast. I, of course, am your host and producer, Sam Familaro. Joined as always by Kevin Sullivan, and joined sometimes by Heather Waz, who's back two episodes in a row. This is know, good. This I'm is really a good excited. start. I'm I was thinking of what
1: excuse I could come up with, but I, didn't I was.
0: Have any. I didn't think there was going to be one today. I was like, no, no she's going to show up two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. But anytime after next week, it's all fair game. No, you never good. know. <laughs> I'm good. Heather, how was your week? How was your week away from the podcast?
1: It was great. My son's birthday was over the weekend. He turned five. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I'm going to jump to my question I had about this because I'm really curious. So five, he's five years old.
1: Yes. Five. And what grade
0: would he be in? He's
1: gonna be going in kindergarten.
0: Okay. Do you still pick out the clothes that he wears? No,
1: he started when he was three.
0: So he gave. So he gave up. I gave her- him free
1: reign at three.
0: You gave him free reign at yeah. three. Because I've noticed, and I was talking to one of the other teachers I deal with about this. Like when I used to work with the kindergarten kids, my like, oh, these kindergarten kids have such cute little outfits. Thank they you. have like little matching outfits. They look great. And then the teacher was like, "Yeah," because the parents are still like just putting the kids in whatever. Yeah. They like. The kids don't really have a choice yet. Yeah. But then once you get to fourth grade, the kids are just like, I'm only wearing, like, sweatpants and Nike stuff and Mm -hmm. Under Armour, and it's wild. And I just sort of wonder when that autonomy comes in. Like, when do you choose what you want to wear?
1: He likes sweatpants and long T-shirts, and that's what he wears, and he picks them out, and he's happy, and I don't have to fight with him on it, and... I just make sure everything I buy him is cute. Mm-hmm. So when he's putting it on, it's not going to look like a train.
0: Only job. give him good options.
1: Yes, that's all he has.
0: Did you ever, when you were younger, get in like, fights with your parents about like stuff you wanted? Yep. Do you had,
1: me- yeah, these zebra leggings that I wanted to wear all the time <laughs> that were way too small on me, that were up to my calves, and were, I wanted to wear them all the time when I was a kid. And my dad would get so mad at me.
0: You were ahead of the game. Zebra leggings would be hot right now. Yeah, right? It, would be, it would be super cool mm, now. You should get some.
1: I, no. Kev, <laughs> yeah, I feel like
0: for, for me... Uh, it was always like arguing with my mom at the store to get something that she didn't want to buy me. That was a big one. Like if I was like, "Mom, baggy jeans are in right now," she'd be like, "Absolutely not. Mm. I'm not getting you big, giant, baggy pants." Mm. That was always my struggle with a oh. like a with a mother who was on top of stuff like that.
1: Or expensive sneakers. I always wanted expensive sneakers.
0: Expensive sneakers? I still yeah. want expensive sneakers. No, always. Did you have to hand stuff down to your brother?
3: Uh, I mean, you probably took some stuff, I guess. I wonder if that's no, a No, it's
0: of it, really. I got away from that because I had two older sisters, so I had to get new stuff. Mm. There was no hand-me-downs. I got away from that. So, lucky you. I know. Lucky me. I had to get, well, I got hand-me-downs from other sources. Oh, my, okay. like, cousins and uncles and such, right? Uh, so, yeah, I was just curious about it because I don't remember, like, when I first decided that I had clothing that I wanted to wear. Like, any particular style of clothing that I was like, oh, this is going to be... The thing that yeah. I'm yeah all right, so yeah, that was our our clothing tangent wow, for this hilarious. morning. So Heather, there you go. Uh, what else happened this week besides your son's birthday exciting?
1: Mm, I no no <laughs> no but I'm just like excited because like I went to a friend's house the other night.
0: Nice. you know these are
1: big deals now going inside my friend's house mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. having a drink.
0: How'd that go? That's so fine. How's oh, your tolerance after not... I don't have one. <laughs> <No> to- <laughs> zero tolerance. <laughs> Same. Half a beer
1: and I'm like everyone's friend.
3: Oh, I just thought you meant zero tolerance. I got zero tolerance. No, for-
1: I know. Oh, tolerance for... For other <laughs> yeah. human beings, gotcha. you mean. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, uh, so before I get into the other tangents this week, I just want to shout out this week's guest. Uh, Josh Rosenblatt is joining us. Uh, you may have seen him on Twitter, but he's all over the place. He's a reporter. For WBNG 12 News in Syracuse. Really excited to have him on. We've been sort of like, uh, you ever like make friends with somebody on Twitter? Like you don't know in real life? This is sort of one of those things. Like we just sort of found ourselves circling the same kind of things. Like some politics. And then I found that he likes soccer. And then he was covering the the, uh, Claudia Tenney-Anthony Brindisi race. So we'll talk about a lot of those things in the interview. So looking forward to talking to him uh, a little bit later. Kevin, we watched um, Mortal Kombat this week. Oh, we were gonna watch oh that. yeah, we did. We were gonna
1: watch that. We did. I forgot. <laughs> I have heard mixed reviews on
2: that.
0: Uh, well, we won't spoil anything. It's not the kind of movie you can spoil, right? No, like it is. Not. What... what did you think, Kevin? Did you like it? It was fine. Okay. I it was thought fine. it was a little boring. It was a little boring. It was a little boring. What I heard. Which I think is the greatest sin for a movie like this. Like this movie can be poorly written poorly acted, have silly special effects. As long as it's like entertaining, I'm okay with it. But there were like parts in the movie where I was nodding out a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, can you get to like the next fight scene? But it looked all right. A little gory. I guess I'm getting old because the gore was starting. I was like, eh, it seems uh, nah, excessive. No, they were doing some wild stuff. I'm going to watch it then. It's, some wild... it's worth a watch.
3: Yeah. Just don't
0: expect anything.
3: Oh, that's you know pretty what, pretty I what I mean? I don't think like anybody would from I mean, a so. Mortal Kombat movie.
0: There's only like I think in hindsight we watched it on Friday night when I got home from work, and uh, I barely remember anything from the movie. I, I could not tell you the story. I remember scenes like maybe one or two scenes that I thought were cool, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Uh, that does lead into our third topic this week, uh, guys. Just the Oscars were last night.
1: I heard that
0: you were. had told me. I told you. Told I heard they had the
1: like the worst ratings night.
0: ever, too. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch any of it because, again, I, if I'm not watching it, you know things are bad because I like stuff like this normally. Yeah. But I will say, I looked at the list of movies that were up, and the winner, by the way, was uh, Nomadland. Congratulations to Nomadland. I heard
1: it was boring.
0: I what much like. Going right for the Oscars.
1: Okay, all right.
0: I like Francis McDormand, so like I saw one of the movies that is on this list which this year. One? I saw Judas and the Black Messiah, which I did very much like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't see anything else on the list. I'd like to see Trial of Chicago Seven. I guess I'd be interested in the Sound of Metal movie. I don't even know. I I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what any else. of these are that yeah. are in right
1: here except for No Man Land. That's one
0: thing I've
3: heard of Mank. Man- <laughs> I've heard people talking about I know Mank. Mank Is like the the worst David Fincher movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've seen Aliens saying. three. Uh, really, I don't know. I mean. Look, I know it's probably a down year for movies because there were really not movies released to the public. What's the most? What movie had the most cultural like re- like relevance, the relevance this year? None I, of them. None of them. Nothing really stuck. Like if you're talking about commercially, I no jokes aside, It's Godzilla versus Kong made right? the most money this year if anything. I feel like. I mean, there's a David Fincher movie that came out this year that nobody saw, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. No, I'm sure someone saw it. I didn't see it. Yeah. It just feels like people were. There's nothing here this year nothing for the Oscars.
1: Nothing.
0: Yeah, I thought that they couldn't like... go see any
1: movies. I mean, or watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, I could... <laughs> that, but that
3: becomes the thing. Now you're like, well, I'm on HBO Max. Maybe I'll just watch like Your Enthusiasm instead. Like, yeah, just... or just maybe I'll just watch something else instead of. But that's the Man. thing. Probably know, all right? of these, <laughs>
0: all of these movies, unlike any other Oscars beforehand, were probably available to us at the click of a button. Probably, and still people were like, eh, nah. Where's the Mortal Kombat one? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's... A, I don't think people want... A, I really like Judas and the Black Messiah. But I... Nothing else on here in this Nobody list. Nobody
3: ever sees any of these movies.
0: We say this every year. We're like, oh, I didn't actually
3: I know, see I these feel movies. like
1: it's the same conversation. Well, this,
3: this is yeah. what it is every year. Okay. This year, I just haven't heard of, like, almost anything. I haven't yeah, heard of not even, like... Movies. I don't know who's in most of these movies.
0: Uh, I know Anthony Hopkins won an Academy Award for The Father. I didn't yes. know he was in The Father, so good for him. And I know that, um... Daniel Kaluuya won for Best Supporting Actor for uh, *Juice and the Black Messiah. And he deservedly was very, so. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, and that's all I really remember from it because I didn't see much else. So there you go. That's our Oscar talk for the mm. year. They apparently did a smaller set where it was like a more intimate setting. And I don't know. How I, would, I don't know. Mm. I don't know how you fix any of these award shows. I think award shows have already taken the dive and there's no way to fix them. People don't want to sit down for, like, three and a half hours and watch an award show anymore. Nobody cares. Uh, All right. So let's get into some local news this week. You guys excited for local news? Always. This is a really good one. Uh, Guys, it's official. Central New York has its own American Basketball Association team, guys. It's here. It's incredible. Uh, The 315 Wreckers are introduced as the newest ABA team. They're holding their first tryouts. In July, uh, let me give you a little information here. Uh, five records, based out of the Utica, Rome area. Today, the team held its first tryout. About 40 players showed up to fight for a roster spot. The team's age range is from 18 to 50 oh, years old. So guys geez. like you and me, Kev, we're still good. We still got like Let's 15. I got 14 years of playing time left, boys. Uh, there have been men's league in Utica area before, but due to a variety of reasons, they ended and players actually left the area to find somewhere else to play. Uh, so yeah, there is going to be, and Heather, just so you don't feel left out, oh, good. Uh, there's an announcement saying that next year the ownership is planning a women's American oh, wow. Basketball Association team, so you could also get yeah, involved in this. That sounds great. Yeah, I think we could package ourselves as like so a, also
3: the women's football team. Oh, nice. that's right, the women's football team. This lady
0: team. owns. Yeah, yeah, yes, this is right. Uh, she's the owner of the Utica Hellcats as well as the owner of this team. So getting invested that's in Utica cool, Sports. cool, though. Kev, oh, yeah. I think we could... I think that's
1: awesome. I think it's
0: cool. I think we could package ourselves as like a two-man... No chance. Like point guards? No way. Power forward duo? No people no? can play. I don't know how long <laughs> it's been since you've been to like a playground in the summer. People can play, buddy. No chance.
3: <laughs> Most, a lot of people can play.
0: Uh, so I'd like to get... Uh, I, I don't want to say your name wrong. Nicole uh CAQUOCQUIS You're looking for Nicole Well, If she wants to come talk about the uh the 3 and 5 records, you have an open door to come chat me up about. Yeah, this. yeah I'd let's love, I'd out love know the to know more.
1: What a good way locally to get kids who are in basketball like maybe to another level somewhere else as well, like younger people who Yeah. Um It's a nice stepping stone.
0: I don't feel bad saying I don't know how I feel about the name, the 3 and 5. Yeah, records. I think they
1: could left out 315. Uh, and the records. <laughs>
0: As a man who's made multiple basketball teams for the Utica area in video game form, I've come up with a list of names that also works. All oh, right, geez. how about the Utica Shakers? No, Handshake City? No, no. no. Utica Shakers? No, ah, come on. No. Well, the Utica Shakers sounds like, like, a, like a Parmesan yeah, cheese. What are the Handshakers, hand you get it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying Maybe to cross it's brand. Maybe like the
1: Handshaker, but the Shakers.
0: Uh, well, because it's like the no, the New York not. Knickerbockers, next. right? Yeah. After a while, it gets shortened to the Knicks. Yes. Like the Utica the Handshakers, they just get shortened out of the shakes. The Utica Shakes. We gotta go next. Uh, Utica. <laughs> uh, how about the Utica Boilers? Utica Boilers. No,
1: can... Well, you kind of take it it. from the boiler maker, though.
0: Uh, so you can't use any of the existing. No. You can't call them Utica Jugglers, Utica Raiders, Utica Pioneers. That's already a thing, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. How about this one? This is my favorite one. Utica Brewers. The Brewmasters. I think a hockey though. You think a hockey? Yeah. Huh. You know it's the Bruins. I said the Bruins. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, food. I mean like beer brewers, brewers.
1: I mean this whole area is all about you. beer. I guess that's better. I think the
0: brewers. Mm-hmm. Anything else, you guys? I can go, guys? go
1: with that. I can go with that.
0: PR department for the three and five Call your boys. Just call the greens.
3: Yo, the greens. Call right. the greens. Wow!
0: Wow! Yeah, just call them
3: the Utica greens. greens. Give them green jerseys.
1: And then that would be it like the special. Given the, the implication.
3: Given the implication, you people know what the you mean. Stands.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh huh. Have a little deck. Uh-huh. In the stadium. I do you think we know anybody at all who could get on this team? Like, personally, do we know anyone we know who could who walk on? I
3: know. I know anybody. Probably not really anymore. All the dudes we know who play basketball are like a little bit old. There might be somebody who can sneak on there, but like not
0: really. So, no GFOP Chris Manfrey couldn't work his way onto this no. team in his best days. He was always no. pretty good, he was always all right. Where's Zach Guka? Zach Guka can still shoot his way onto this team, you I think. I mean? Zach Guka, call me about this. Uh, all right. So there we go. Three and five <laughs> records. Let's move on uh, to some other local news this week. Oh, uh, the New York State Fair is back, guy. I new York New York State Fair near Syracuse will reopen this summer after shuttering last year due to the COVID-19 vac- uh, virus. And capacity limits for the outdoor stadiums, casinos, and gyms are also being loosened. So new guidelines. Um... Are you looking forward... Let's first off start here. Are you looking forward to the fair?
1: I never liked going. You never liked going? I really didn't. I don't understand... I'm not into that. So, I mean, I liked one for the chocolate milk, I guess. Part. I don't know. I never really liked it. I'm kind of up and... Twice. I'm kind of up
0: and down on the fair because, I don't know, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I've always thought of the fair as kind of kitschy and weird and lame. Yeah, really- uh, but I kind of dig it. I dig the sort of like the crumminess and the, the food stands and the weird games and all you the... Know, you- about that. and the cows and all the weird it's just it's a strange experience and i, I kind of like it but i also get burned out from it really quickly like after like maybe two or three hours i'm like i don't really need to do any more of this mm. right mm-hmm. uh so they get Kev, do you have any particular thoughts about the new york state fair do you remember um, any um i don't know once it was really a long time ago it was hot
1: yeah that's what it was when i went it twice <laughs> it was so hot i was dying I didn't understand that. Oh was really? Pulling...
3: You know, what, you know what it was. When I went to the state fair, I couldn't figure out what I was there for. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right. So what am I? That. What am I doing here? Like, what do we? I know. I ate, so I'm not hungry. Like, I had one thing to eat, so I'm like full. Yeah. You know what I mean? What I am, I, like... am I? <laughs> am I here to play midway games? Like, I know. I really we, some people are there. There's yeah. a cow. Cows right up the road, now like, Did you
1: see the butter sculpture? I'm like,
0: yeah. I, I had saw butter that. at my house. Or did you get
1: the chocolate milk? Yep, I got it. Did I you also have the chocolate fried milk. dough? Yeah, I it's got it.
0: It's 100 degrees out. Yeah. Thanks for the You don't want to see the milk. bands? No love for the bands? I mean,
1: there's bands, I guess, if there's one good well, there. the
3: Tedeshi Trucks Band? Like, what do you, I mean? <laughs> no. There's our the <laughs> truck heads are going to be out for
0: me. Kevin described
1: uh, it perfectly.
0: Here's a quote here from uh, Governor Cuomo. The fair must go on. The state fair is special. It is special to all New Yorkers. It is a great institution uh, to be fair, the New York State Fair is the oldest of its kind in the nation. So there is some really history to that. I'm really
3: glad that it happens and I
0: support it, but yeah. I just I'm not going. Uh, this year's musical acts, by the way, in case you were wondering: Ario Speedwagon, Dropkick Murphys, Sheena Easton, Great White, Vixen, and the Oak Ridge Boys. So quite a That's quite a spectrum of of artists. Mm. I guess I'm here for Sheena Easton and the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. You know what? I'm here for Ario Speedwagon.
1: I'm
3: Wait,
0: right what song does Sheena
1: Kaysaw? Easton sing?
0: Wasn't she with Prince? Sheena Easton you are girl? You just said all you're all there for. A I'm here what for her, but I'm not here <laughs> for Great White and Vixen. I'm not. We had a pick. You, if you if, if I'm picking three people, I'm not picking Great White Vixen of the Oak Ridge boys. That oh. leaves me with three. Okay. Sheena Easton is in. Okay. Uh Dana made the
1: cut. Made
0: Sam's cut. Uh she did not make our cut for a musicalist this week. I didn't put it I should put a Sheena Easton song on the fiction right now. Uh all right. Fair will still adhere to COVID rules and safety guidelines such as social distancing, face covering, and health screening because nothing says standing out in the sun 80 degrees With but putting a, a mask on mask top, eye. too. Like, well, it's already hot as it is. Uh, but Cuomo, the regulation said, could change based on COVID rates at the time. Uh, so there you go. State Fair is back. Also this week, outdoor stadiums increase their capacity to 33%. Offices are going back to 75%. Casinos are increasing to 50%. And gym and fitness clubs are going up to 50% outside of New York City. So There you go, I mean, we're getting back to normal. it's gonna be an awkward period getting where pe- where people feel like i don't know well that's the other thing we're we're getting there uh also this week uh more than a year into the covid nineteen uh team van ah, covid nineteen pandemic uh Atlanta county saw its biggest case cluster said executive He's county been. uh-huh. Keep going. <laughs> you're so upset. I can tell already you're upset. County Executive Anthony Pesenti said during a briefing Tuesday. Multiple students from a local dance school participated in a competition in Syracuse on Saturday, despite the fact they are experiencing symptoms of illness. Students later tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, a year into this, this is our largest cluster and our fastest cluster that has happened, uh, Pesenti said. Uh, the school dance did not uh, have a state mandated plan for high-risk sports uh, so far, this was enough to close down a local school district earlier this week because so many kids who had it. So first big, like, uh-oh, shouldn't have done this event moment that I've seen here, at least locally. Mm-hmm. So while a lot of things seem to be opening back up, we should all remember to be careful and stay vigilant. They,
1: they uh, schools
0: to be shut down. Uh, they were shut down for, okay. I want to say, for they were quarantined for 10 days, I want to say. Okay. I mean, I can say the school district It's in the paper. You can go read it if you want. It's Whitesboro. But whatever. It's right there in the paper. So I don't feel bad about
1: that. They closed Jones, too. Elementary school. Hughes, I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Uh, Also, this is sort of where we make our shift from local to national because this does relate to us. Uh, New York State will lose one seat in Congress after falling a remarkable 89 people short of having a population large enough to keep all 27 of its House seats, the U.S. Census Bureau said earlier today. Uh, so this is tough for us in terms of state funding. We'll lose like uh, we'll lose like federal funding because of this, uh, and also it does affect us locally. Although we won't exactly know until September on how this affects our voting district. Uh, it's too early to say, but there are two districts that could potentially be changed. That's Representative uh, John Katko's district, uh, that's twenty fourth district, and of course Claudia D- Tinney's district in the twenty second. So, I mean. It's a big deal. It just means that a lot of people over the last period, since the period of left New York. They said it was something like 800 823,000 people have left the po- uh, state over the last decade. So, not great to lose. Uh, you know, to lose the seat. Uh, maybe the prices and rent will go down in New York City because of this. So hmm. it's like an ups and downs kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs>
3: That rents going to be on the floor. Well, I've
0: heard New York City's dead, so... It's true. New York City is dead. It's yeah. never coming back, is so what I was many told. many people who have never been barely <laughs> ever been there. Never yeah. been to New York. Uh, also nationally, uh, this is one of those stories that I feel like I'm going to bring up, and then it's going to come out tomorrow, and then by the time we get to next week, we're not going to talk about it. So here it is. President Joe Biden is expected today, Tuesday, by the time you folks hear this, that the U.S. Center for Disease and Control will update its guidelines for wearing masks outdoors, people familiar with the uh, expected announcement said. Uh, So we're going to see some sort of change about what kind of guidelines are coming about, what vaccinated people can and can't do outdoors. So I think you're going to see some sort of shift. They're making an announcement today already for it. So there you go. Stay tuned today for more announcements from uh, President Biden. Also, I got to talk about this story. (laughs) Uh, Agriculture Secretary... Tom Vilsack on Monday dismissed a myth spread by conservative media that President Joe Biden intends to stop Americans from eating hamburgers and steaks. Is this real? Yes, this is a real thing. As part of his plan to combat climate change, quote, There is no effort designated to limit people's intake of beef coming out of President Biden's White House or the USDA. Someone in the political world... Somewhere in the political world, games got played and issues are injected into the conversation knowing full well there is no factual basis. So, yeah, uh, we're not coming for your beef, I guess, is the, the moral of this story. Uh, the follow-up for this, and I really enjoyed this, uh, is former, uh, former Fox News talking head uh, Larry Kudlow took to the Twitter to talk about this, and he was really angry. Uh, I just want, you, I want to share this part of the, his comment that made everyone laugh, though. You can throw back a plant-based beer with your grilled Brussels sprouts and wave your American flag to all the liberals. I'm very curious to know about all these meat-based beers that Larry Kudlow is out here drinking because I don't think those exist. No. (laughs) Well, because he's making fun of all the... (laughs) Like, I don't understand what his point was here. So, to be fair, folks, no one is coming... Take your hamburgers uh, is a very silly talking point, but I thought it was no, it is funny. silly enough to tie into another segment that we're doing here. We're moving away from politics. Heather, I did a lot of this just for you today. Oh,
1: great. Thanks.
0: I thought we'd do something a little fun. We're doing a food segment. Oh. These are five major food stories. I guess four major food stories that will go on. Uh, number one, another shortage is happening in the country. The boba shortage. That's right. For all you folks enjoying boba tea over the summer, uh, there's a shortage that could stretch deep into the summer, leaving businesses in a bind. Heather, how is this going to affect your day-to-day life? It will not have any effect on my day-to-day life. <laughs> Kevin, how do you feel about the boba t shortage? Eh? Just put something else in there. It's just like a little, <laughs>
3: just a little chunk. Like, that was some... I, you mean to tell me you can't come up with like, some weird little chunk for the... <laughs> really though, like <laughs> we're, oh, we're out of this gooey little ball of a
0: little tea. <laughs> make something, say, make something else. out cooler for the Starburst. For a in in a like, Starburst. Yeah. Yo, when go. I was in uh when I was in Ohio visiting my sister, we had to kill some time picking up my niece from cheerleading practice and dropping the dog off at the dog cleaners. So we're having this weird amorphous hour and a half block to kill. So she goes, All right, let's go to the Asian market. Uh, So I can get some stuff from the Asian market and we'll stop and get a boba tea at the boba tea place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't really like boba tea, but my sister seemed really excited.
1: So she's going to be really upset.
0: So I was like, "Uh, sure, let's do it. And I didn't want to tell her because she's like a foodie and loves all sorts of food. and She's a great chef. I didn't want to tell her that like I don't particularly care for Boba tea. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and picked the most like generic basic one possible and I was like, I can do this. I'm just gonna drink it up. It's you no know, big deal. I I have a good palate. I'll be fine. And then I proceeded to like try not to throw up for the next ten minutes. Something about the consistency of it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I've never been interested like,
3: I in even it's it. It it's 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 I it's 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 it's
0: I didn't need it. I kind of wasn't. I kind of don't understand what it adds. I suppose. Do you want a little chewy snack while you're having it's your drink? Weird. What I suppose. Was to say?
3: I don't know. It's not for me. All right. I don't really
0: know about it. Uh, this one's from the alcohol world. Uh, Natural Ice, uh, Natural Light Beer, which is most recognizable for being a cheap, disgusting beer that people drink in college, uh, has a new product they're going with, guys. It's Instead filter. of it's not a
1: seltzer. Oh, okay. Sorry.
0: To I know. I, I thought the same thing. Their newest product, which will be launching nationwide on Tuesday, is the Natterdays Frozen Icicles. It is an alcoholic frozen treat that comes in two flavors strawberry lemonade and pineapple lemonade. It has an 8% uh, alcohol by volume and comes in 12 packs featuring both flavors. What are your thoughts about this uh, alcoholic icicle treat meant to att- attract drinkers who are quote unquote beer reluctant.
1: Oh. I'd try one if there was one nearby. Yeah, I've
0: tried some of these kinds <laughs> I mean, of
3: things before. I'm always beer. all about people something. They They're alright. You're out on a boat or something. Yeah. You that's why I was exactly what I was something thinking. Wrong with like that. up at
1: camp. I'll... Yeah, yeah.
0: Why not? I don't think this is gonna take the place of the the seltzer craze or anything. No, but this is no,
3: people have been doing these they'll bring
1: their name back a little bit. It's something bit. different.
0: This is kind of a good idea for a brand like Natty Light because I don't think that Natty Light is suddenly going to jump into, like, the spike Seltzer market and make some sort of huge impact. They don't have that kind of name mm-hmm. brand value. They have value. to find
3: another way into the college binge drinking crowd. Another you know, way. This will yeah. work for them. So, Especially 8%. Oh, yeah. That's 8%
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Heather, this one's just for you. Taco Bell I said this that. week they will start reusing their hot sauce packets. Oh. Uh, apparently it's because they have a huge issue getting rid of them. They're very not recycling friendly. Okay. My question is how? I don't know. What do you do that to make the disgusting. package more recycling? Or uh, recyclable? I don't know. They're going to launch a pilot packet, uh, pilot program earlier this year. I, I guess, like, back in the day, I used I always was. uh, I was the worst at this. I used to go inside the stores back in the day and just take all the sauce from the thing and take it home with me. That's like a bunch of them. That's like a real teenage thing to do when Mm -hmm. you're in Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about Taco Bell's attempt to be more eco-friendly? I'm always down for people trying to be
1: more
3: eco-friendly. You know me. I always support that. Anybody trying to take steps, uh, is good with me.
1: As long as they keep stop deleting things off their menu, I don't care.
0: Yo, bring back the Mexican pizza. I was thinking about that earlier. Oh my gosh, that's like one of my
1: favorites. (laughs) Are you kidding?
0: Well, again, I think that's the thing where they're like, uh, we don't have the packaging for it. I'm like, you can find some sustainable packaging to bring the Mexican pizza back, at least temporarily. Mm. Make it like a seasonal thing, like the McRib. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Well, you're not a McRib no, person. I no, eat <laughs> I eat that. I eat that. Right. Uh, and what else do we have on here? And last but not least, uh, this article is from WNCT9. Uh, some American-made honey has been found to contain traces of radioactive isotopes, which are fallout from nuclear testing that happened in the 1950s.
1: Great, I or, eat honey every day. Well,
0: you might now have uh, some sort of superpower. Then maybe, right? I some sort of superpower.
1: I better not be my honey. <laughs>
0: it doesn't say it not be the if it's a Hannaford brand. It says nope. Heather's right there. Honey. It specifically it
3: says
1: say Han- Hannaford brand.
0: Yep. Uh, sure does.
1: I'm gonna go home and research my
0: honey now. My kitty did. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this very quickly as the the podcast's SNL historian. Big news this week: uh, Elon Musk oh uh, has announced that he is hosting Saturday Night Live on May eighth with musical guest Miley Cyrus. Uh, first off, I have a list coming up of the ten like worst SNL hosts of all time. Um, and I looked at the list, and a lot of people are missing from the list who I remember. Like Tom Brady. Like Derek Jeter. Like a lot of athletes. Uh, but this seems like it's going to be terrible. I can't imagine. It just seems odd. I can't think of the last time like a businessman
1: well, He's has, a weird dude, so... He's a super
0: weird dude. It
1: could be interesting. Uh,
0: the last time like a straight-up businessman, if you're not counting Donald Trump, has been on the show was back in the 90s when Steve Forbes was on. Which is one of the weirdest like, hour and a half of television that's ever existed. Mm. So I think there's some high potential for this to be one of the weirdest hours of SNL that's ever been broadcast. Mm. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in Elon Musk really? as, like, a person. Um, but I feel like there's no chance he's funny or good at this. That's my other take on this. Mm. I'm yeah.
1: interested to watch this see what he does. Right.
0: It feels like a chance to see, like... Yeah, I think so that's I where see what he does. I want to <laughs> see. I think that's where you're going to get most people mm. at this end of the spectrum. Like, is this going to be a train wreck? Uh, I'll blast through this list real quick because we're going way too long. Uh, some of the people on the list: number one, uh, they have Paris Hilton. Number one, worst SNL host of all time. Number two, Lindsay Lohan. I think that's kind of harsh. Not mm. a bunch of times. Number three, Katy Perry. Hmm. Number four, Steven Seagal. I see
1: that. Too
0: bad. Number five, Justin Bieber. Probably terrible. Number six, Deion Sanders. I do not remember this. Mm-mm. Number seven, Chevy Chase. Really? Uh Probably after, like, when he got older and okay. came back. it was probably a jerk. Number eight, Rudy Giuliani. It was terrible. It was, it was tough. Sweaty. Number nine, Tom Green. Mm. And number ten, Milton Berle. Mm. So there you go. There's more on here, but they get worse as we go up the list. Uh, so just very quickly a quick boo this man to Ted Nugent always done deal Uh, it's been a done deal to him than anything
1: Uh,
0: well you know he he got COVID yep uh, and he finally admitted the pandemic is real but I wanted to share with you how he admitted it was real so here you go Uh, there's been worse conditions and health problems in the past in this country around the world where no one's ever shut down mom and pop diners and shut down whole economies that's what I believe and I'll continue to believe this has been a hoax but the pandemic is real, and the people that are sick are real. So this is all a scam, except for the people who got sick. That's real. So, That's what we're going with, mm-hmm. with the Nuge. Boo this man, <laughs> Ted Nugent. Uh, boo him good. Uh, I will forego this week's uh, Big Energy Award, which I was going to do a follow-up on the Super League. I made that whole rant last week all about right. the Soccer Super League. I was so upset about mm-hmm. Most people have covered this already in the news. As of last Tuesday, that entire league fell apart at the seams because of huge fan backlash. It was actually very inspiring to watch. So These, you,
3: babe, was trying to tell me is you are single handedly responsible? Yeah, taking down the Super League on this podcast. I can't believe it.
0: I think congratulations
3: to you, mission accomplished.
0: I have to tell you, I didn't know when I did that rant, and plan on doing that rant. Uh, that there were going to be a lot of similar rants by much more famous and interesting people. Like, I don't really like James Corden, but James Corden did an eight-minute bit about this on his show last week, which was one of the most coherent discussions about this that I've heard anyone do. So it made a lot of coverage in a lot of places, and I think it really showcases the power that fans can have if they actually decide to use it to make their teams and fandom better and not just let the millionaires become... Billionaires become super billionaires because mm. this was a real ugly example of capitalism at its finest, at its greediest. So there you go. We won't talk about that because. Can we just talk about it? Yes. Well, we're not going to talk. I'm not going to get into depth with Correct. it. Correct. No, okay. okay. if you think that's all the takes I have on this, my friend, you are sadly mistaken. Uh, unfortunately, for you guys, you won't get to uh, have those. I will save those for our guest this week uh, journalist, reporter, newsman, uh, Josh. Rosenblatt. I've been really excited to talk to him. He has been sort of, as I mentioned, on our radar for the last six months almost because of everything that's been going on with Claudia Tenney and Anthony Brindisi and the race for Congress. Uh, but we're happy to have him on here, uh, again, from WBNG12 News in Syracuse. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to him about journalism and reporting in 2021. We'll talk about um Board of Election, what happened here. We'll also talk about the Super League because he's a big Everton fan. So we can talk about our teams being rivals. Uh, All that and so much more with Josh Rosenblatt. We'll be back in just a moment. Josh, let's start, off, uh, let's start off here. I guess, I guess I'll guess i do a proper introduction. This is episode 305 of the UdiCast and we are joined uh, by the senior reporter at uh, WBNG 12 News. Uh, Josh Rosenblatt, it's a, pre- it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on the show uh, finally. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, it's a it's a great pleasure. And I, you know, I wonder I have to ask you about this. You know, you uh, I think I first sort of came around to um, to finding you on Twitter during your coverage of the New York 22 race uh, for Congress between Claudia Tinney and oh. Anthony Brindisi. Um, and I'm sure there was a big rush of people who suddenly sort of jumped onto your 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 news feed during that period. Can you can you sort of talk a little about about what that's sort of like about getting all of this like support for one particular thing.
2: Yeah, it was a really interesting experience in that regard, because before this race happened, I didn't really tweet much at all truthfully. Yeah, you know, I I absorbed a lot more Twitter than I like actively participated in, if you will. So. To, to go, so my, for perspective, my account had about 590 followers um, before this happened. Um, and within uh, probably two weeks, I was a little more than 3,000. Um, so it was just wild to see people cared so much about this one unique issue that was one story out of three I did that day. Yeah. and you know it turned out that enough people cared about it that it became kind of what I did and I just I, I saw the interest and I kept with it.
0: Um, so we'll, I have a lot of questions about everything that went on with that uh, but first let's let's go all the way back to the beginning we tend to like to start with the way back. Uh, Josh where were you born and raised? Your your Twitter feed says Binghamton but I don't know if that's where you call hometown for yourself.
2: So I've kind of bounced around upstate my entire life um, so I like to just say I, I bounced around a lot I've lived in a lot of different places I was born in Buffalo um, and then I moved to Albany when I was about five um, and that's probably where I grew up grew up you know I went to high school there um, you know lived there and then I went to school at Syracuse uh, for four years so I lived in central New York for four years um, and this is I'm about to be three years living in Binghamton okay. so you know I've had significant life experience in a lot of different places so all over upstate really
0: um so were you an only child growing up
2: no I have a brother and I have a sister as well um they're actually both graduating college this year oh nice um, so that's really exciting yeah uh
0: I don't know if you uh you know you, you mentioned Syracuse University I want to get into that for a second I you know I consume a lot of podcasts sports media a lot of different stuff all over the place and one of the common factors. Uh, has almost become this sort of ironic eye rolling at how many people come out of Syracuse University and work in media. And I and I always grew up. You know, n- my sister went to Syracuse Musical Theater. I have a Otto the Orangeman tattoo in my arm. I'm pretty connected to Syracuse University. Uh, but what was your experience there? Did you were you doing media journalism? What was your path through Syracuse?
2: Yeah, I actually loved it. So my mom's family is originally from Syracuse. So I had been a fan. I'd gone to the dome since I was young. Um, but I didn't really consider them for college until I determined I wanted to do journalism, yeah. um, at which case it was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Um, I went in thinking I was going to do sports and follow that pathway that you talk about that a lot of people do. Yeah. So major <laughs> broadcasting digital journalism um, mm-hmm. is kind of the one that all of those guys have, have taken, you know, mm-hmm. all of the pioneers, men and women, you know, Beth Moens, shout out Beth moen one of the best NFL broadcasters. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Um, so I thought I wanted to, I lived with a kid who did it my freshman year. Um, he just got a gig as a AAA radio announcer. So he's living that dream, you know, but I realized there was just a different level of just all consumingness in order in sports media. Um, and I found I had more interest than just sports and that if I was going to be in sports media, that's all I was going to do. Um, so I kind of happened to cross investigative journalism when a professor of mine, kind of introduced me to it um I ended up starting an investigative team in college too um so I've always had an interest in you know long-form journalism um you know always looking to do longer pieces which is why I enjoyed the New York 22 race so much because it was you know every day for three months four months whatever it was um but yeah I did a lot of that I also majored in Spanish um I studied abroad in Spain um which was really cool um I saw an Atletico game and a Real game, both in their stadiums. Paid the same price for uh, fifth tier at Real, the out that I did for, like, fifth row um, <laughs> at Calderon. So definitely Atleti fan, for sure. Um, but, yeah, so I, I did a lot of different things that kind of led me to here. And then this was actually the first place I left when I got out of college. Um, I had a, a couple different offers in different places. Um, but this was kind of the, the one I went with, um, cause it had a lot of options available. Um, and I've loved it here. So I've been here three years in June. Uh,
0: so yeah, WBG uh, for Binghamton, that's where you've been. Uh, you're the senior reporter there, uh, for the layman. Can you tell people what, uh, senior reporter, uh, what your date, what's that, what's that mean necessarily for everybody else in the office? <laughs>
2: Sure. So I, I do on a day to day basis, I do a lot of what an, any other reporter would do um, or an MMJ, as you're called uh, yeah. in my business, a multimedia journalist. It means you do everything by yourself, basically. You know, you're pitching stories, you're writing them, you're shooting yeah. them, you're editing them. Um, so I do anywhere from two to three stories a day. Usually um, I pitch them in a meeting in the morning. We talk about what's relevant, you know, what's not relevant. Um, I'll do interviews. I'll set them up. I'll, you know, I'll do some in person, some not in person, depending on what's easy, you know, what's available for them. Um, But every day I'm editing, you know, those stories, writing web stories, you know, putting them up on the website, Um, you know, and then the next day is something completely different. You know, it's three days, you know, it's three stories a day, five days a week they're all different. So it's just a matter of you have a good day, you know, you carry them on time. you have a bad day, it's a new day, you know, so it's just a, it's an interesting way to to do it. Uh, I'll, I'll try to ask
0: this in an elegant way. Um, have you noticed any particular sort of shift in intensity in sort of the way you've been covering politics since the election ended? Has there been have you noticed a shift in the way people are engaging with it or the way content has been reacted to in the post
2: election time? Do you mean my particular content or, like, my station, you know, the overall, like, media market? Well, I guess,
0: yeah, I guess for your content, you know, we talked a lot, you followed a lot of, you know, the New York 22 race. Do you feel like, did you feel like there was any sort of, like, need to keep up more content in the wake of getting that rush afterwards?
2: I mean, there was definitely a a certain amount of content I did specifically um, because I knew it would attract that audience and keep it up, certainly during the race and even some afterward. Um, But I've always kind of been interested in politics. Um, You know, I got known to a much larger audience because of New York 22. But in Bloomington, in my region, you know, all of these people knew who I was well before that, you know, so, and that was kind of the, the benefit to covering this race is because I had experience covering the 2018 race. You know, I built up all of those connections well before this had happened. So I think a lot of it was just, you know, it was the mentality and preparation beforehand that when I saw this opportunity, I just kind of jumped on it. But as for afterwards, yeah, I would definitely say I'm doing, you know, as much, maybe a little more, uh, the state budget. I definitely did a lot with, um, just cause yeah. there was a lot of different angles to cover. Um, but I've always had that interest and I'd always like to have some kind of interest in that.
0: Well, you actually were just reporting about it about four hours ago on Twitter. Uh, News today broke U.S. Census confirms that we're going to lose one seat in the House of Representatives. Uh, I mean, it's pretty well known that we don't exactly know how that affects our district right now. But how impactful could this potentially be for us? Are they talking about potentially redistricting 22? Is that a is that on the table for something like this?
2: Well, I would think everything is on the table. Right. So every time this process happens, even if you don't lose a seat, you have to redistrict because you might have population shifts. It might change. Um, But when you do lose a seat, you know, you got to look at and see where they're going to condense the districts, because you lose one. And then so when you think about that, you think about who the process is controlled by. And so in New York, it's pretty democratically controlled. So you would think that some of the upstate or downstate republican held district would be the target of those. Yeah. So whether New York 22 survives the acts or not, I mean, it, it'll be remain to be seen. Um, but I don't really, I'm not sure truthfully, but I could definitely see some alteration of it next cycle. Uh,
0: so... It seems you know I always think it was weird. I uh, when I first interviewed uh, former former congressman Brindisi on this podcast way way back this is episode 305 so we're talking like episode 20. I've known him you know right. we, we, yeah. we,
2: uh,
0: It's been such an interesting uh, thing to see him sort of rise and win the one and win this you know first election and then lose the second one. But I never expected as someone who has sort of been paying attention to this going back for four or five years now, that this district would be the last one standing in the country, almost with undecided, uh, and it really felt like by the time we got to the end, people it sort of came with a whimper and not a, a roar for a lot of people by the time the results actually came out. Um, what were your how how odd was this compared to a typical to a typical election that we would have seen in the past? Like how how out there was this.
2: So, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people because I've had my same that same question myself, you know. Yeah. So I've talked to a lot of, you know, political science experts. I've talked to a lot of um, there's a there's a professor out in Utica College, actually, a guy named Luke Perry. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't know, runs the Center of Political Public Affairs. Excuse me. Uh, great guy, Super knowledgeable about New York. Twenty two wrote a book about the, the twenty sixteen race, even, I think, or the twenty eighteen. Excuse me. Or, yeah. yeah. Either way. Um, So, yeah, I've had that question myself a lot. I think there are several factors that led to it going to be close. Um, Brindisi being the incumbent uh, is usually beneficial, um, but the district also had 30,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats. So that's always going to, you know, conflict. And I guess the first race was close too. you know, you got to remember it was less than 5000 votes in the end the first between these two. So I think that all signs pointed toward it being close, but nobody could have told you it'd be that close. You know, that, I mean, I, you couldn't have expected that.
0: I think originally for me, you know, seeing how close it was the first time when the original numbers came back, the raw non mail in numbers came in and it was a 28,000 vote gap. I, I said to myself, this doesn't make sense. I can't see how someone would lose 28,000 votes over a two-year cycle. Something doesn't seem right. So even at the end when the numbers were so close, um, it at least made more sense to me. I was like, okay, at least this ratio sounds about right for this district in general, at least what I've seen.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, the the district clearly showed that the way it's drawn, it's a pretty even split. And so I think depending on wave years and performances and all these other factors you're always going to get you know conflicting factors which is another reason it could get the chopping block if the redistricting committee decides it wants to make safer districts at the risk of other incumbents yeah well i wonder
0: if he'll run again you know i i tried to ask him last time i saw him and he certainly wasn't going to tell me one way or the other but i don't think it would be a complete surprise if he ended up if we ended up seeing this race one more time
2: I don't I think that would be heavily contingent on the district looking pretty similar to what it is right now, you Mm -hmm. know, because in this fashion, both sides like their chances a decent amount, Mm -hmm. depending on how it's drawn. Um, whether it, I've seen a couple different models, none of which I've done, but I've seen, you know, Dave uh, Wasserman and other people put out, um, where it could result in it encompassing Onondaga County and city of Syracuse, some of, so that would make it a much bluer district, but I've also seen it drawn into Elise Stefanik, uh, the representative up in the North country. So, you know, those are both different, very different looks for a district that could result in. You know a, a much different look for us uh let's move on
0: to uh to covid uh 19 stuff how is um i saw you got your second uh your second vaccine a couple weeks ago congratulations thank
2: you uh, very I'm, exciting
0: i'm also fully vaccinated so have you i've not grown a third arm or anything yet have you no
2: um i thought i saw a shadow the other day but it turns <laughs> out it was nothing so i'm good
0: uh, how was your experience overall? I, you know, I, my experience, with, we talked about ours last week. Did you feel like it was smooth overall?
2: Yeah, um, so I did it at the Broom County Health Department. We have a, they have a site um, at SUNY Broom at a big ice center. Um, it was very well operated. I was in and out in like 20 minutes total including the 15 minute wait period so it was very smooth it was very efficient it was well spaced um, finding appointments obviously depending on when you you qualified was a different story but overall once it, your experience at getting vaccinated especially mine I had no problems at all
0: I always find it funny over the years whenever I've had to get a shot you know I have a bunch of tattoos. And yet somehow when I have to get one needle, I'm always like, I'm just not going to look, you just do it. And I'm going (laughs) to, I don't know why one needle bothers me, but like, I'm, I don't know. It's some weird neuroses that goes in my mind. Um, Do you, I've seen a lot of reports, you know, that we're going to sort of start leveling out in terms of how many people are going to start getting them. Uh, That being said, we're seeing a lot of Positive signs, things opening back up, announced today. New York State Fair is going to go on after being gone last year. Are you a New York State Fair person? Do you have any excitement for the New York State Fair?
2: Sure, yeah, especially after getting the vaccine, I would definitely consider going. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I went to SU, you know, so I definitely went to the the Fair Plenty. Um, so, yeah, I know.
0: Are you a butter sculpture man? I'm a butter sculpture guy. I like to look at the animals. People get bored when they go with me.
2: I'm, a, I'm an animal kind of guy. The Raptor Show is always a big hit for yeah. me.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, the one I mostly remember, and this is probably like a, a false memory that I've created in my head. I always felt like the State Fair was where I would go and learn about something food-wise that I hadn't had before. Like, I think the first time I had like a blooming onion was at the State Fair. Maybe the first time I had a fried pickle. Uh, you know, all, all sorts of like, uh, and, and now when I get older, it's like, oh, it's just all fried food. A fried Oreo, I feel like.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they're famous for the pizza freaks. Oh. So I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but th- that's your state fair go-to for anyone out there.
0: Shout out to my mom who used to make it on Sunday mornings when we were kids. Good stuff, pizza free. Yeah, shout out. Uh, okay, so I can't let you go without talking about it because no one else on the podcast can talk with me about it because none of them watch soccer. They all think it's boring. Uh, before we get into Super League stuff, uh, you, are an, you are an Everton supporter. That is correct? Am I, am I
2: wrong? Loud toffee supporter, Indeed.
0: The the top the toffees, You and my boss from Maiden Utica, Justin, you're the only two live Everton supporters I know in real life. Uh, I am a Liverpool supporter, uh, and we can have – thus making us rivals, but I find it to be an interesting rival. I'm one of those – it's sort of like the Mets and the Yankees for me. I'm a Yankees fan, but I do not hold any, like, ill contempt toward the Mets. Like, I know some Yankee fans do. I love Liverpool, but I also – I kind of want Everton to be good because I think it's interesting when they're good. How did you sort of find soccer? Did you play soccer growing up? How did it sort of come into your life?
2: Well, I was a, um, I'll put it, I was a rather large child uh, growing up. So I I was about eight and I uh, two foot slide tackled another kid um, and I got pulled out of the game and the coach uh, came over to me. And he said, Josh, you ever heard of football? Um, So that ended my um, um, uh, soccer career, shall we say. Um, But I just kind of, I got into it. FIFA uh, was a big help for me. Uh, The World Cup in 2010 was also a very big draw for me. Um, Watching the U.S. play, you know, rooting for them. um, That got me into soccer. And I had friends who were, you know, Liverpool fans such as yourself or Chelsea um, you know, Arsenal, Man U, all the big clubs. And I don't know why, but I decided I didn't want to be like them. I guess I want some part of me wanted to, to have some small misery. Um, so I, I just kind of looked around at other good clubs and um, Everton had a history of American players. Tim Howard, obviously, at the time, but even dating back to Brian McBride, Landon Donovan, um, they all made appearances. So it kind of was a natural fit uh unfortunately fortunately sometimes I'm not sure which for myself uh
0: so I need to state as a as a Liverpool supporter that I was on Liverpool when they were very bad I had to sit through those crummy Brendan Rodgers years and so I I didn't jump on when Klopp showed up I want I need to make that point very clear uh no but I think as a history major as a guy who you know got like a master's degree in education and like a bachelor's in history something about the longevity of soccer and the club nature of the sport is really appealing to me. And I think as time went on, um, I've I've heard people say about soccer clubs, you don't choose them. They kind of choose you. You find the team that sort of fits with the personality. And I remember reading a quote once about Liverpool when they were in the bad years. And it said, our team may stink, but we'll sing you under the table. And I was like, that's my team. That's the team I want to support. And I think that sort of speaks to why people were so mad about what happened with this super league. Now as a Liverpool supporter, I was really upset because it felt like my team had committed some sort of betrayal to, to English soccer as an Everton supporter. How did you feel? Were you guys, were you mad when you read this, what was going yeah, on?
2: Absolutely, No, of course. Um, I didn't, I don't know anyone who really supported the super league, you know, genuinely other than just for the memes. Yeah. but like, You know, it's just I think there was something I've had a lot of thoughts about it, but I think there's something uniquely American about the Super League and why it didn't work, because over here, obviously, the best teams just play the best teams. There's no new teams. There's nothing like that. But not only that, but the the owners have full decision over the teams. Doesn't really matter what fans have to say about it. You know, it's just it's all money driven. But that game translated over in Europe clearly didn't work. And I think obviously it wasn't just American driven. There were other owners involved. But I think you did see some of those qualities reflected in the when the fans revolted pretty much and they were forced to withdraw.
0: I think one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest misreads of the room you're ever going to see. Like I can't believe how poorly the owners misread the situation in front of them with how they thought the fans were going to react to this. And I, I think it speaks to the idea that. I mean, this doesn't happen in reality, but in concept, you know, you and I could start uh, a club soccer team in England in the lowest level. And over the next 20 years, theoretically, we could win enough games to make it to the top of the table. That story exists and there's a romanticism and there's a narrative that people love. And I feel like this, this Super League just spit in people's faces in a way that felt uncomfortable. And it was actually rather nice to see the fans have the impact that they did have. And I wonder if any American sports like fans take anything away from this going forward.
2: Well, I think first to you, to one of your points about the uniqueness of English soccer. I mean, look at Leicester city, you know, you, you ever want an example of the greatest, one of the greatest sports stories ever. That's it. You know, that's your story. So I do think that aspect was, you know, severely overlooked. Um, As far as American fans, I don't know, man. It's a different world out here. There's just not that kind of culture, you know? There's just so much money involved and such a disconnect from owner to fan that I don't know if that similar thing is possible.
0: I mean, I've forgiven James Dolan this year because the Knicks are good. It's outrageous. I've been mad at James Dolan for like 15 years and this year I'm like, James who? Have you seen Julius Randle? I don't care about James Dolan anymore.
2: Yeah, I I remember the Boo Isaiah days. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember going here. This is a real deep Syracuse cut when I was living in Brooklyn. Uh, me and my buddy went to a New York Knicks spring training game so that we could cheer on Andy Routens while he played uh, in the third quarter and hooked up seven threes. And he missed all of them. We cheered for him the whole time. We were like, we don't care. Routens toss him up. <laughs> I loved Andy Routens. Man. Oh my God. I liked
2: it.
0: Uh, so, uh, Josh, we spent a lot of time here. I appreciate you taking all this time. Before uh, before we let you go, uh, we want to do some lightning round questions with you. Uh, Can you just let people know where they can get a hold of you, if they want to follow you, if they want to know more, where they can see you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow my Twitter, at JRosenblattTV. um, And that's pretty much a a good amalgamation of, you know, everything I've been working on, um, all the different work that I do um also wbng.com the station i work at um it's a good uh good way to see everything going on in the southern tier um you'll see my stories other stories so it's a good look at life here uh, in this region of new york uh so josh i have six lightning round questions plus one extra question i
0: concocted just for you uh i've talked about it a million times people on the show will be bored hearing me i've always said that one of my first uh inspirations to get into like performing, I wanted to be a Yankees broadcaster when I was a little kid because I would stay up late at night and I would listen to John Sterling and Charlie Steiner call Yankees games on the radio before I'd go to bed. Was there any particular journalist or influence that you feel like was early on like your gateway into journalism or broadcasting your television or anything?
2: Uh, Stuart Scott, uh, Scott. may he rest in peace, was a very Mm -hmm. early influence on me. Um, because he made it so cool um, and I as a fatter Jewish kid was unfortunately not gonna unfil- fulfill my um, baseball or basketball dreams so I think he was kind of the ones who made it really cool and then as far as like journalism journalism I had some professors um, some big cases you know the spotlight cases um, other stuff like that. I, you know, I'd say more of that route, but Stuart Scott made it seem cool to be on that side of the business. And so he was a big formative for me.
0: I was a big, uh, I was a big Dan Patrick guy. I was a big Rich Eisen guy. I like, you know, I'm like, I'm like a liberal and I liked Olbermann better when he was talking about sports than I did any other time that he was
2: on TV. <laughs> I yeah.
0: think was his best application Uh, All right, lightning round questions, Josh, for you. Uh, Same six questions we ask everybody who's been on the show. Uh, Josh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee?
2: Uh, Black.
0: Black coffee. Did you have to work your way up to it, or were you always a black coffee maker?
2: No, that's not a dip your toe in, go for black coffee kind of thing. That's (laughs) a a Dunkin' iced coffee with, like, a lot of chocolate syrup. Yeah, and then you you work your way down to a little less sugar, a little less cream, and now you could just inject in my veins if you had to.
0: I'm trying to wean myself off of Coca-Cola, so... The iced coffee so far is my first, like, step my way back down. I There's, like, very few things in the planet I like more than, like, a big giant Coca-Cola and a big cup with too much ice. Like, I could do that for every day and my teeth fall out of my head. Uh, all right. What was your first automobile?
2: Um, Sorry, I laughed. A 2006 Volvo S40. Hell yeah. Um, yeah it was affectionately known as the uh pos um so it had like 130,000 miles you know it was safe but it was it was barely getting me anywhere um but affectionately affectionately remembered for sure
0: i was actually just looking they got like a new volvo hybrid suv and it's kind of slick looking i was just checking it out uh you may or may not have taken your 2006 Volvo POS to see it, but what was your first live music event?
2: Live music event? Yeah. Um, funny enough, the Cheetah Girls when I was oh. in third grade. <laughs> yeah, so that'll date me to your audience for sure. Some of them are going to be shaking their heads after that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> true story um, in Albany. <laughs> That's Great amazing. Time.
0: Uh all right if you could have this is a tough one so if you want a minute on this uh if you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your relative who would it be and why
2: This is a good question there's a lot of people out there um it's a good one. Um, I'm a big art guy, so I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm gonna say Vincent Van Gogh. Ooh. And I would say Van Gogh because I would wanna understand um, the way he captured you know, human emotion and feeling like that. I would wanna know how he was able to convey that.
0: You might be the first person to ever say an artist, like a painter-style artist on this show. Congratulations, it only took 305 episodes, guys. There you go. Not enough Man Ray supporters out there. Uh, all right, <laughs> um, Give me one book, album movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? One book, album, movie, or television show you are currently listening to, reading, or watching?
2: Um, I just finished a book called American Dirt um, about immigration through uh, Mexico and South America to the U.S. Um, Great novel for anyone interested in that kind of thing. Um, But for currently, um, I just finished watching The Serpent in Netflix um, Mm. about Charles I, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, but all throughout Asia back in the '70s, uh, preyed upon you know foreign tourists on the hippie oh. trail. Really interesting, really interesting documentary. Did um, you um, troop, dry, So
0: did you watch oh. the Night Stalker one?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that right. was
0: real, I thought that was real slick. I thought they did a nice job on that one.
2: Yeah, um, if anyone does like that, I would shout out Mind Hunter. Uh, great show. They've got two seasons so far. Definitely recommend.
0: Uh, my other podcast co-host Kevin has been hammering me away to watch that for like years he's going to be nodding his head in the green room Uh, all right last but not least uh, besides politics besides sports ties investigative journalism crime dramas give us one more thing Josh Rosenblatt that you are passionate about
2: I like poetry I like writing poetry and reading poetry I took a few classes in college um, so that's probably something I don't Share super often, um, which is really cool. Um, nice. Also, I mean, I speak fluent Spanish, so that's usually one you don't look at me, blonde hair, blue eyes, and go, oh yeah, obviously. Um, but so I would definitely say um, I did a Spanish language newscast in college, 30 minutes. It was a super cool experience with a lot of students from all over the world um and i grew a super intense passion for uh, latin american culture um and music and food and, and dance so that was definitely something i was super fond of as well it's
0: so funny i uh i feel like as i get older i'm 35 now uh i feel like as i get to this age and i'm there are a few things i regret from like education like stuff i didn't take seriously at the time when i was banging around new york city i took spanish for 7 years between high school and college and none of it ever sunk in until I worked in the restaurant and started playing soccer with the guys I worked at in the restaurant. So to this day, I can ask for a salad to table two and I can ask you to pass me the ball to the left. And that's pretty much all I've engaged. And I feel like that was one of the great misses of my education life because I'm jealous of people who are fluent now that I'm in my mid-30s.
2: Yeah, so what you're telling me is your first concert wasn't the cheetah girls probably
0: you you want to know what my first concert that i remember really was Uh, i'm sure there were like ones when i was a kid first the first concert i actively went to on my own merit we me and my friends went to see the band good charlotte at the captain trips rainforest preserve in utica new york so we we were really excited to see good charlotte in whatever era that was um my cousin from Florida came with us and he was older than me. And I told him, oh, come to the show with us. And I accidentally told him that it was the band Good Riddens, not the band Good Charlotte. And he was really, really, really disappointed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I was uh, being interviewed by former scene kids. So that's a oh, fun fact for me. Oh,
0: dude, I, there's uh, people who have listened to this podcast. There's like a whole three podcast episode where we did uh, right when the pandemic started and we were doing like uh, no Zoom content. We did a history of the punk band that we were in. And I've had to think about a lot of those bands from back in the day, good times. Good times. (laughs) Uh, Josh, we really appreciate you spending time with us tonight. It's been a pleasure uh, finally getting to chat with you besides just being like Twitter friends. Uh, I know a lot of people in Utica who will be uh, happy to hear your voice for the first time if they haven't already, so.
2: Cool, well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm glad we got to, to get together and do this. Thank you so much.
0: tell Me, you're against us putting this show on YouTube. You don't want this to be taped for film for people to see us.
3: Never, Sometimes no. I, come in
1: with I don't want anybody
3: months. to do that. Yeah. There's not a podcast in the to... world that There's I want one... to tape exactly for what I don't need. Give me your podcast with like pictures of nature or like <laughs> scenes of like stock footage that's yeah, interesting. Like, yeah, I don't need to see two idiots sitting there with the headphones on the microphone. <laughs> no, no, thanks. It's not what think. podcast is for. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, thank you once again. Josh Rosenblatt, our good friend. Look forward to having him on again sometime down the line. Uh, all right. Let's get to this week's history lessons. You guys made sure that I didn't do any history lessons last week. We, we pushed past it. You did. We we're taking too long. This week, though, we're doing them. Right, right. Doing them all. On this day, this is a really good one. On this day, 4977 A.D., the universe was created, Wow. according to German mathematician and astronomer Johannes Kepler, considered the founder of modern science. Are you telling
3: me 3,000 years in the future they've created this world? Oh, sorry, A.D. Did I say A.D.? Yeah. For, see, 40, is a flat circle. 49.77 yeah. A.D. Ross Cole was right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, 49.77 A.D., the birthday of BC. our world. No, I say B.C.? I said B.C. B.C. It's before this. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, so, Kepler was best known for his theories explaining the motion of planets. As a university student, he studied with uh, Nicholas Copernicus and his theories of planetary ordering. Uh, Copernicus, of course, believed that the sun, not the Earth, was the center of the solar system, a theory that contradicted the prevailing view of of the era. In 1600, Kepler went to Prague to work with Danish astronomer Tycho Brahe, one of my favorite names in all of history. When Brahe died the following year, Kepler took over his job and inherited extensive collections of his, astrono- of his uh, astronomy data. Over the next decade, Kepler learned about the works of Italian physicist and astronomer Galileo, who had invented the telescope. Kepler corresponded with Galileo and eventually obtained a telescope of his own and improved upon the design. In 1609, Kepler produced the first two of his three laws of planetary motion, which held the planets move around the sun in ellipses and not circles, and the planets speed up as they approach the sun and slow down as they move away. It was ten years later that he produced the third law, which uses mathematical principles to relate the time a planet takes to orbit the sun to the distance away from the sun itself. Uh, Kepler's research was slow to gain widespread traction during his lifetime, but it later served as a key influence on the English mathematician Sir Isaac Newton and his law of gravitational force. Kepler also did important work in the field of optics, including demonstrating how the human eye works and in the field of mathematics. As for his calculation, scientists in the 20th century developed the Big Bang Theory, which showed his calculations were off by about 13.7 billion years. That's right. So it is, a. Uh, 4977 BC is when Kepler believed the universe was created. Mm. So there you go. Johannes Kepler. Uh was that exciting for you Hayden? Did you learn if, anything from that? Yep. I'm going to do an exit ticket at the end. You got to tell yeah. me one thing you learned from this lesson before we leave today. Is to get you out of the school system. I, think I get the school. No, I'm just not fun. <laughs> 1954. Uh the Salk polio vaccine field trials involving 1.8 million children began at the Franklin Sherman Elementary School in McLean, Virginia. Children in the U.S., Canada, and Finland participated, which used the first time ever the double-blind method, where neither the patient nor doctor knew if the inoculation was the vaccine or the placebo one year later on april 12th researchers announced the vaccine was safe and effective and it quickly became a standard part of childhood immunizations in america in the ensuing decade polio vaccines would all but wipe out the highly contagious disease in the western hemisphere i feel like that would have been a rough announcement to make like hey guys we're gonna test this covid vaccine we need all the kids to round up and we're gonna have them try it first the
3: kids are the ones with the polio right
0: well, that's the great point, because polio uh, does indeed affect children more commonly, mm. uh, resulting in paralysis. Uh, it had existed since the ancient times. However, yeah. the disease reached its epidemic proportions throughout the first half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the 40s and 50s, polio was associated with the iron lung, the massive iron tank designed to help people uh, breathe when they had respiratory paralysis. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, was diagnosed with polio in 1921, and was left paralyzed from the weights down using leg braces and wheelchair for the rest of his life. Uh, He helped found the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, a.k.a. the March of Dimes, which was responsible for founding much of the research concerning the disease in the first place. Uh, The man behind the original vaccine was New York-based physician and uh, epidemiologist Jonas Salk. Did you guys know that? No. No? (laughs) You're you're so upset. You're so mad. No, I'm not. Salk's work on the uh, anti-influenza vaccine in the 1940s led him to develop uh, the polio vaccine based on the killed virus strain of the disease. It wasn't until years later that Albert Sabin tested an oral polio vaccine, uh, which is easier to administer and cheaper to produce, which would eventually replace sulks as the vaccine of choice. Today, polio has been eliminated throughout much of the world due to the vaccine. However, there is still no cure for the disease if you catch it, and it does pertain in a small number of countries in Africa and Asia. So there you go. Vaccines work. So long and
3: short is that it's a literal miracle. A literal, a literal miracle, miracle drug. That happened less than 100
0: years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. People are still trying to fight it. All right, we'll <laughs> move past, uh, on this day in 1977, Studio 54 opened, because it opened. There you go. On this day 1992, two television shows uh, left TV at the same time. Uh, First one, Growing Pains, which aired its final episode on ABC television. Uh, The story of the Seaver family starring Alan Thicke as a psychiatrist working at home because of his wife Maggie, who'd gone back to work as a reporter, Uh, featuring Kirk Cameron, who I hate, Mm -hmm. Tracy Gold, and Jeremy Miller as Mike, Carol, and Ben, the children. Uh, They also had a fourth child, Chrissy, who was added to the show at the beginning of season four, as well as a new cast member added in season seven uh, who was a homeless teen, Oh, yeah. Named Luke Brower, played by the one and only Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, also on this day, television series Who's the Boss? aired its final episode after eight seasons on ABC TV. Uh, the series starred Tony Danza as a, I mean, we don't have to go over this, my favorite show. Tony Danza, I I Judith Light, They're Living Together, Will They, Won't They, Mona's There. We all love Mona. show became a popular sitcom in the late 1980s. Uh, it was nominated for more than 40 awards, including 10 primetime Emmy Awards and five Golden Globe nominations, winning one of each. It's so wild to me because I would, if you had told me that Growing Pains was the more successful and well-received of these two shows, I would have believed it. I feel like nobody liked Who's the Boss except me and I my sisters. It. Although maybe Growing Pains has a little too much of like the family vibes going on, like Who's the Boss a little edgier, Tony yeah. Danza. Growing
3: Pains isn't funny. No.
0: Growing Pains not funny. Yeah. I actually feel like I missed out a little bit on growing. I didn't really kids watch. Kids always get in trouble by so their parents. I, I just know them. Yeah, it's like kids. The same would be like,
1: episode over and over oh, again.
3: We're a kid. We're gonna like go to the party. we are grounded. To. Yeah, you're grounded. <laughs> and I only do this because I love you, son. And we're just all trying to be a good family. Let's yeah. get <laughs> homelessly <Leonhardt> in <and> our DiCaprio trash. <laughs> it's a garbage show. Growing mm-hmm. Pains is garbage.
1: Who's the Boss? I liked Who's Uh, the Boss.
0: Uh, Well, you're in luck, Heather. I'm also a fan of Who's the Boss. And it was announced in August of 2020 that a reboot of Who's the Boss is in the works uh, with Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano attached to star as their characters from the previous version of the show. Yeah, the original series. uh, Modern day reboot will revolve around Danza's Tony Maselli, a former baseball player, now retired housekeeper, and Milano's Samantha. Who lives at home where the original series was set and is a single mother? So he comes back to help out his single mom daughter. I mean, I'm here for it. I'll, Although, it. I'll give it a shot. I got to admit, Danza looks pretty rough these days. He's an old seen man. Him. It's been a long uh, time. He's That's old. not why he looks rough. Oh. He looks rough because he looks rough because he's been dealing a little bit too much with becoming an old man. And he's got that face slapped on pretty tight with oh. that. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's no wrinkles. He's got like, it's not a great look. Oh,
3: too uh. bad. That guy would have aged to be have a really interesting face.
1: Yeah.
0: It's true. It's okay. a shame. Uh, he left the do- uh, Sony left the door open for the involvement of Judith Light, whose character Angela sparred with Tony as his employer and later romantic interest. But there's no guarantee that she will come back. Is Judith Light busy? Did Judith Light yeah, too I busy? Know, like, <laughs> she she has things what is to do. What's she doing right now? Uh, Probably spending her residuals. I love a
3: nice life in a beautiful home.
0: I like Who's the Boss a lot because it was on all the time when I was around. I can't yeah. sit here and pretend it was some amazing show. So I was a little surprised to see that it was nominated for Emmy Awards and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, 1992, late 80s, what else what were they up against? I'd like to know. I got to see the competition. What else was it? Uh, Cheers Cowsby Cowsby show. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. If this ended in 92, yeah. when did it was Cheers on start? The 80s, wasn't it? I guess it was late 80s, yeah. Like 93? It says it was nominated. It certainly wasn't winning over Cheers. No. Yeah. Everything yeah. gets nominated. Everything, everything gets. Every that's on gets nominated. It's a popular show. Would you do this show again instead of recasting it, like with Danza as older Danza and Alyssa Milano, do you just redo the whole show with a totally well, new cast?
3: There's no, no story there. No. This story's been done to death.
0: No story there. There's no story. Okay. Just to
3: do, hey, here's another. A weird situation like this, with yeah. like single mom and like guy
0: and funny caretaker, and I
1: think people would like to see them again anyway. That's so, the only so, reason to see yeah. it, is
0: because it's They'd the most see people. A That's fair. All right. Uh, okay, and let's get to this last one. I have to say, two thousand nine, struggling American auto giant General Motors uh, says it plans to discontinue production of its more than eighty-year-old Pontiac brand. Pontiac cars began as the Oakland Motor Cars, founded in 1907 in Pontiac, Michigan, by Edward Murphy, a horse-drawn carriage manufacturer. Uh, The first Pontiac model made its debut as part of the Oakland line in the 1920s. It featured a six-cylinder engine, and it proved so popular that the Oakland name was dropped in favor of Pontiac, which became its own division in the early 1930s. By the 1960s, Pontiac had gained acclaim for its fast, sporty muscle cars, including the GTO, the Firebird, and the Trans Am. According to the New York Times... More than any other GM brand, Pontiac stood for performance, speed, and sex appeal. That's right. Uh, Pontiacs were featured in such movies as 1977's Smokey and the Bandit and in the 1980 hit TV series Knight Rider, which starred a Pontiac Trans as Kit, a talking car with artificial intelligence. There's a highway to the right, Michael. That's the whole show. That's the entire show. I just did it for you. In the mid 1980s, <laughs> yeah, the mid Pontiac sales re- reached the peak. In, in the mid 1980s, Pontiac sales reached their peak before falling. In 2008, GM lost the title of world's top-selling automaker to Japanese-based Toyota. That same year, GM was also forced to ask the federal government for a multi-billion-dollar loan to remain afloat. And on April 27, 2009, as part of the reorganization plan, GM announced it would phase out the Pontiac brand by 2010. Uh, A little over a month later, GM itself filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, becoming the fourth largest bankruptcy in U.S. history. Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you on this one. Yes. When I say a Pontiac car, what's the first thing you think of? GTO. Pontiac GTO, first thing you think of. Heather, what about you? Is that one
1: of the long cars? Because my dad kinda had yeah. one of the long ones, mm-hmm. and he picked me up from school. He even had the Pontiac sticker. Across it's the top a of little it.
3: more. It might have been kind of long, but it's a little more like muscle car shape. So okay, it's, yeah. the back is a little bit hatched. Yeah. So it's not like one of the super long ones. But Pontiac might have made
1: something else. I think back it was maybe too. like that. But he had it. I hated it.
0: Mm. My first car was supposed to be a Pontiac. My mom's car when she, when I lived on Valentine Bray. Was a like a 1992 or three Pontiac Grand Am. Yo, Grand oh, Ames.
1: yeah, that's why that's my car. I yeah, had. Grand yeah. Am. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I loved that car. And it
0: famously had the, the seatbelt that was attached to the door. So yeah. when you open the door, the seatbelt was terrible. stuck to the terrible design, really poor. Mm. Uh, but that was supposed to be my the first door, car. Yeah,
1: my first car was a Pontiac Grand Am.
3: It's the first girl I ever dated that had a car I had one of those. So I remember where the seat went or yep. the belt went yep. up with the door. On I it's loved that
1: stupid. car. I loved that car.
0: Uh I think the only other Pontiac car of recent memory that I think holds any bearing or mention was the Pontiac Aztec. Do you remember that?
1: It sounds familiar, but I can't see what it like. It was like.
0: famously the SUV from Breaking Bad. It's like, a it's like a dumb looking SUV. It's got like weird shapes, it's got like a weird arched glass back. It's like not an attractive car, but it was very of the time oh, when do it came out. Yeah. What you're talking about now. That's probably the last recognizable Pontiac car I can think of. Like, the Breaking Bad car. So, there you go. There's our Pontiac lesson. So, we've made it through history lessons. This
1: is a good one.
0: These were um, good. Yeah. These were bad, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm glad you think that, because I feel like the news stories this week are very poor. The weird news stories from around the world. Uh, so, here we are. What? Uh, two men were arrested in charge this week after allegedly stealing the Sesame Street Big Bird costume. Oh, damn. Uh, The Big Bird Bandits, who allegedly stole a Sesame Street costume from a circus, and Adele have been tracked down and charged. The 213-centimeter-tall, bright yellow Big Bird costume, poorly made of ostrich feathers, valued $160,000, disappeared earlier this week. It was found dumped near an electricity box at the southwestern end of the circus early on Wednesday morning. The alleged thieves left behind a note uh, in the beak apologizing for the trouble they had caused. We were just having a rough time and we're trying to cheer ourselves up at Red. We had a good time with Mr. Bird. He's a great guy and no harm came to our friend. Sorry to be such a big burden. Sincerely, the Big Bird Bandits. Oh my gosh. Gigantic Foster was flown in from New York to take part in the circus. That's hysterical. Incredible. What a wild story. Uh, Give it back. Yeah, yeah, give it back. I mean, Mm. all things considered. Ah, uh, this is a terrifying story, Heather. Explain this to me. Michigan woman glues her eyes shut after mistaking uh, nail adhesive for eye drops. This seems like the most horrifying story that's ever existed. That's so. terrible. It, uh,
1: it is like a a thing that you do put on your like a brush onto your eyes, so it could be. It, oh, I could see that happening.
0: So nail adhesive, like for you're talking for like putting. Oh god like on your fingernails mm-hmm. oh god her i feel like i must have burned like crazy she almost went blind apparently Whoa. yeah horrifying if she had contacts in oh it okay. saved
3: from permanent damage oh, if god. she didn't have those contacts she'd in, be blind like, yeah, yeah her luckily because she had them on the eyeball and it oh, saved her from like getting Jeez. as much damage as the god. one guys
0: Woo! Uh she, uh she was rushed to the hospital where doctors performed a two to three hour procedure to save her eye flushing it with saline solution and removing the glue encrusted contact Ugh, tough. Ugh. Let's do something a little lighter. Uh, Vin Diesel, uh, famed Hollywood actor and my friend and alumni from Hunter College, is set to star in the movie version of Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the board game. That's right. Uh, Vin... I don't like him in movies. You don't like Vin Diesel? No. <laughs> uh, this is just one of many uh, Mar- uh, Mattel toy movie adaptations that are in the works. Some are more curious than others. Uh, the growing list of properties includes Wishbone, based on the Jack Russell Terrier TV show from when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbie, starring Margot Robbie and written by Greta Gerwig.
3: That'll actually probably be a banger. That'll probably be pretty I mean, funny. Greta Yeah, and Bomb back Yeah, that'll be good. Uh,
0: and Uno, a heist comedy centered on the card game led by rapper Lilioti. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I don't understand. Barney? Uh,
0: the company is also making a live-action Barney movie with Daniel Kaluuya, a character in, <laughs> the Oscar-nominated actor has labeled, quote-unquote, misunderstood i trust daniel Kahlua, So <laughs> i'll watch we'll any see. of those just because uh i don't know i, love I it's just because movie yeah yeah, yeah. great stuff <laughs> i can't imagine what rock didn't they make a rock'em sock'em robots movie with like hugh jackman it was called real steel wasn't that already a movie that exists yeah but that
3: wasn't like a rock'em sock'em robots property
0: it wasn't specifically licensed by mattel yeah, i yeah. see i see okay uh all right let's we move are. on to one of the weirdest stories of the week. Uh, Hundreds of people named Josh gathered in Nebraska this week for something they were calling Josh Fight. Uh, No matter the title, they're using hundreds of people who shared the first name gathered in Lincoln, Nebraska to vie for the right to their name. Armed with pool noodles, Joshes from across the country met at Air Park, where they brawled as onlookers with other other names cheered from the sidelines. In the end, it was four-year-old Lincoln resident Josh Vinson Jr., dubbed Little Josh by his peers, who was crowned the final winner. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Josh Fight 2021? And would you go if invited to Kevin or Heather Fight 2021? 100, percent yeah. You're going. You're here for it. You'd have to. You'd have I to. Mean,
3: as far as, long as it's not crazy travel, Yay. Yeah, you gotta go compete for the name.
0: Apparently, what happened <laughs> is this started as just a Facebook group of people with the same name of Josh Swain. So it was very specifically like um, how like 22 to 24 people, whatever, who had this one. I have a group. I'm in an Instagram group, with Kevin Sullivan's. That About makes oh, of there us are. Wish I don't know
1: if any there's ominous. any other keys out there. Maybe. maybe, maybe. maybe. Think there's... Gonna, there's? a doctor I know that, and a bus driver. Mm. I don't really want to. <laughs> I don't really want
0: to know any of the other uh, Sam Himalayas You know one, and I your know... cousin, and that's enough. That's enough. I know <laughs> too many. Uh, quick Doomsday report here for you guys. This one's a little more uh, ominous. An Irish farmer earlier this week stumbled upon an untouched ancient I tomb. To... We're coming for you. Uh, archaeologists think the well-preserved burial uh, sites date to the Bronze Age, or perhaps even earlier. I feel like something like this—if I run across this, like a wedge tomb where it's a bunch of rocks set up in like a ceremonial pattern—I'm probably good. I'm probably not walking toward this necessarily. Maybe if it's my property,
3: yeah, I'm walking towards it. I'm not going to disturb it. Because yeah, I'm not going to disturb get up there it. And get a good
1: look. What's going to happen? Okay.
0: Who knows? You might not, unleash nothing. some sort of ancient they evil. No such mm. thing.
3: Uh, you say that. <laughs> Uh, and, these, the should be unleashed.
0: and these are two stories that relate to uh, people who passed away. Uh, the first one, this is a wild story. Uh, following the death of his father, John Hinkle Sr., uh, John Hinkle Jr., uh, a two-time NCAA bowling champion, laced up to play one of the luckiest games of his life, using a ball that had been custom-made with the ashes of his father. The 39-year-old Western Illinois University bowler set out to bowl the perfect game as a tribute, which he succeeded in doing. Uh, He had the thumb hole of the ball filled with his father's ashes and used only the two-finger technique when throwing the ball. Uh, So yeah, he used the ashes from his dead father to fill up his bowling ball. He threw a 300 game with it. Now, I don't want to knock on this. Mm. This guy is a very good bowler. He He says he's thrown 300s a couple of times. But this is still a pretty wild story.
3: Yeah, it would be cooler if he had the ball forged out of the ashes, not just like put some ashes. Forged out of the ashes.
1: That's at first thought where we you're going. That's like what it. I thought it was How too. He too. Said yeah. He yeah. The hole. I'm like, oh.
3: Are you guys like cremation people? Do You want to be cremated? No, I've never cremated anybody. No. Well, not you. Do you want to be?
0: Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to have a casket?
1: Um- I actually want to be like one of those ones they put in the plants. In a plants, yeah, i thought cool, of that too. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really care what they do. I know. I'm just like to whatever. I'm not gonna so, be yeah. here. So. If so in the river, I'm like, I'm so mad <laughs> you guys are doing this to me. right <laughs> now. Because I thought, like,
0: I see all these people. Well, because that'd be pretty <laughs> good, right? Good Let me stand watch. <laughs> There'd be a lot of people. I feel like who would want to have their ashes spread over someplace that feels, like, important to them. Mm. The problem is, I don't know if there's, like, any particular place that I can think of where I'm like, oh, I would need this yeah. to be my final resting place. Like, mm. what, am I going to go back to Valentine Brain and be like, hey, excuse me, sir, do you mind if I pour my ashes on your lawn? <laughs> my son used to live here. Hey. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I can't think of it. So I, I like the no, tree you just idea. You take them
3: down on like the G me, train or whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> 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 throw, throw me on the G train. <laughs> so
1: your tree will be there forever. Your That's tree. I like the tree mm-hmm. idea. I'm a tree. You know,
0: bury me uh, at like on a, a tree on a school that I used to doing one of the schools I worked at or something. Mm. All right, uh, and let's. The only reason I bring it up is because uh, we talked a little bit about DMX earlier this week, who uh, last week who passed away. DMX's casket made its way through New York City this week on the back of a monster truck that said long live DMX as people on the street cheered the casket as it rode up and down through Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. This is so cool, it almost makes me think that I want to be. This is how I'd like to go. I would take a parade. I would t- <laughs> the I would t- Anyone's going to throw
1: a parade for a me. monster
0: please. truck parade seems like the way to go. This is a really exciting way uh, to go out. All right, let's do one mailbag question before we close up for the day. Uh, all right. And Heather, I have one specifically for you and I'm going to need your help on this. Okay. If you could go back and do it over, would you generally be more permissive or more strict with your kids? Would you not change your philosophy much at all? Would you change a lot of things? I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm going to take this from a teaching standpoint, but Heather, I'm going to ask you as a a parent standpoint. If you can go back and start it again, would you have been more of an authoritarian or less no, of an authoritarian? I
1: would be exactly who I am.
0: Exactly who you are. Yeah.
1: No, I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I would say from a teaching standpoint, I've fallen in this trap. Like, I wish there were some of these classes that I could have gone back to day one and been like, Yo, these are the rules that I have implanting, implanting right now. I'm not trying to make you guys like me day one. We're not being pals. I don't want to get my jokes over or whatever. I should have been stricter from day one and it's gotten too far with school students. Once it gets too far, it's real hard to go back and have people like take you seriously if they haven't taken you seriously early on. It's a real struggle. So from an education standpoint, I would say, yes, I've thought of this many times. I could
1: see that in that point. But that my son sense. does everything. He respects me. He's sweet. He's helpful. So I feel like I'm doing everything right right now. So we'll talk when he's 16 or 18. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> then, then I'll let you know if I if I should change things.
0: Kevin, I don't know if you have any direct analogy for this. What are your thoughts on this scenario?
1: Yeah. Um,
3: I feel like I would always strive to be in as clear, direct communication as possible.
2: For sure. Whether
3: that means being... I mean, I think strict is a misnomer, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, oh, pick a personality and then act to that personality yeah. type you know what i mean like you have to get to know your mini human on a one-to-one level and make sure that they can communicate and hopefully you put them in a situation where they feel safe coming to you when there's something that you might have to be strict about or you might have to teach them a lesson or you might have to learn that something is... you can do that effectively instead of just being like i'm gonna trick them with this like bit that i'm doing or i'm like strict guy or i'm gonna just be yeah. like yeah you know whatever kid uh i would just strive for communication because yeah. i
0: try to in all things
1: that's a big thing <laughs>
0: uh, all right, so that's it for mailbag questions. We'll do some Spotify stuff real quick before we head out. Heather, uh, you actually added six songs this week. I'm very impressed. Uh, I will tell you, I didn't really tell you. It's not usually kosher to put two songs by the same band. Well, I was listening mm-hmm. to them this week. You, you, can, can, do do you, <laughs> like, you can do whatever well, you want. Well, I, I knew you were going to say that. No, teasing like, You do whatever you want. But which uh, which songs would you like to highlight today? Any songs you'd like to specifically shout out that you put on the list this week? Um,
1: oh gosh, I was obviously having a quiet. Quiet week. I'm going with Take Me Home with Phil Collins because I was thinking about my dad this week. And it yeah. just makes me... I love that song. I listened so. to it
3: When I saw the songs you put on, I listened to that in my car today. Around yeah. I was like, oh, nice. This is nice.
1: This is I love Phil here. Collins. So, mm. But there were some new ones on there. But a couple of them were like when you're sitting in the mode.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kev, what about you? Any songs you want to highlight this week? I don't know.
3: Let me look at it. I forgot what I put on No, it was like. Uh, Let me just take... A, I'm going to stall for some time
0: here. That's fine. just
3: sort of vamp. Vamping. And I look um and I say oh there's the icons so now I know which ones. Now he knows which one of yours.
0: I know the icons help. Um, I've left them, I them on was here. Like,
1: Wait, did I put?
3: This I on? put on. I'll be around by the spinners because it's a great song, old mm-hmm. classic soul song. You probably know from back in the day, but it's a good like uh, rainy Sunday song, which we sort of had yesterday.
0: I did not put any Sheena Easton songs on. I know that's very upsetting to all you folks. Maybe I will go back now. Tell all uh, you folks
3: who know who Sheena Easton is.
0: I did, put, uh, <laughs> I did put a track on here by uh, featuring Shock G, who passed away earlier this week. Shock oh, G yeah. at the age of 57. Uh, I, I saw know, that
3: on there. I was like, did I put that on? I didn't put songs <laughs> on here yet. What's going
0: on? No, uh, Shock G from uh, Digital Underground, uh, well known as well for his alter ego that he constructed. Humpty Hump from The Humpty Dance uh, I read a really interesting uh, piece or, or I listened to an interesting podcast by Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 who talked about like how much he committed to that bit of two different characters and interviews and stuff over his career it's really fascinating uh, and also Digital Underground very early in introducing the world to Tupac Shakur so because of that I picked I Get Around by Tupac featuring jock G so there you go uh, alright those are my those are our picks for the week uh, thank you once again to joshua rosenblatt i will put all the links to follow him on twitter and all his social media platforms on our website at uticast.com you can follow heather at heather one you can follow kevin at underscore kevin sullivan you can follow me at sf doom or you can just follow the show at uticast we are available on multiple platforms spotify apple podcast stitcher podcast uh soundcloud we're on facebook instagram twitter facebook uh, I don't know how much longer we'll be on Twitter. I'm really I said it last week, I'm really tired of checking Twitter. It's really starting to wear on me. Mm. Uh, that's it. Cyanara Humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives, the tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Unicast. Stay safe out there, folks. Stay vigilant. Nature is here. <laughs> Stay vigilant. <laughs> Stay vigilant. <laughs>